This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus chat. All your questions answered about AMD. We'd like to welcome our guest speaker today, Dr. Joshua Deneyev. Dr. Deneyev is an assistant professor in the Department of Ophthalmology at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Deneyev also regularly contributes as an author to our Macular Degeneration Insights articles, which discuss various aspects of AMD. If today's your first time joining us, welcome and thank you. Let me take a moment to tell you a little bit about Bright Focus and what we'll do today on, on the Bright Focus chat. Bright Focus funds some of the top scientists in the world. We support research that is trying to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. We share the latest news from these scientists with families that are impacted by these diseases. We have a number of free publications and plenty of materials on our website, brightfocus.org. We also have information on every research grant that we fund if you're interested in learning more about our scientists and their work. Bright Focus chats, like we're doing today, are another way of sharing information from the world of, of research with families that are affected by macular degeneration. During each chat, we give you the opportunity to submit questions. We don't always have a chance to answer all of them during the chat, but rest assured that we do save them for use during future chats. What we're going to do today is to go back and answer some of the previous questions, along with many new ones you've submitted by email and on our website. If you want to ask Dr. Deneyev a question during today's call, please press star 3, and an operator will take, will take down your question again. That's star 3. And let me give you a phone number in case you get disconnected during the call. That number is 877-229-8493. And then you enter in the ID code 112435. Again, that number is 877-229-8493. And the ID code is 112435. Last piece of housekeeping here, if you'd like to listen to this chat online, you can live stream it today at brightfocus.org backslash live chat. And if you happen to be listening online right now, you could submit your questions by emailing chatquestion at brightfocus.org. Now let's turn to Dr. Janaev. Dr. Janaev, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Michael. It's, uh, it's great to be able to reach so many people at once and answer their questions and also, let me congratulate you on pronouncing my name correctly. That's uh, <laughs> unusual. Well, thank you. Uh, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, your professional background and experience? Um, yes, I'm an ophthalmologist and a macular degeneration specialist, and I've treated thousands of patients with macular degeneration, done thousands of injections, and I do research on the causes of macular degeneration trying to develop new treatments for the disease. Well, that's great. I know that expertise will, will be very helpful to our, to our listeners and um, all those with questions. So I'd like to start with a, uh, a few questions that we get asked very frequently, and that's treatment for wet, for wet AMD. The first question comes from Gloria in California. Her doctor suggested that she may soon be able to stop the injections, which she's been taking for six years. Uh, she says she'll ask her doctor more questions, but she wanted to know what do you what do you have to say about the possibility of stopping injections? Yeah, that's a really good question, a really common question. So different people need different 
uh, injection frequencies. Some patients need injections every four weeks, and some can do very well with injections less frequently. And the same is true for the duration of the therapy. Some people can be weaned off the therapy over time, and other people need to continue the therapy uh, for, for many years. So the only way to determine that for each patient is to follow up and do optical coherence tomography imaging, OCT imaging and exams, and, and see when the leakage continues, when the blood vessel leakage continues, and when it stops. And if it's stopped for a while, some ophthalmologists will uh, stop doing injections and just follow the patient and then try to do fewer injections over time. And eventually some patients can stop the injections, but they do need to keep following up to make sure that the leakage doesn't restart. Hmm. Yeah, I know that that's, that's good. Uh, certainly good advice. We have a related question from Linda in Maryland. Uh, who, uh, who's been receiving Lucenta shots every five to six weeks? Says her eyesight has not improved, but it's also getting worse. Um, would you get, kind of give similar advice to um, uh, to someone in that situation? Well, um, many people do experience a, an improvement in vision after the injections start. Uh, some people just have a stabilization, and an unfortunate minority. Uh, still lose vision, uh, even in the short term. So what we do for the patients who continue to lose vision is inject um, as frequently as we can, which is uh, every four weeks. And sometimes we'll, we'll change medicines. So there are three medicines that are used right now that all target the same protein, which is called VEGF or vascular endothelial growth factor. So we call these anti-VEGF medicines. There's Lucentis, there's Avastin, and there's Ilea. And it's possible that even though all of these drugs target VEGF, that one drug may work better for certain patients and another may work better for other patients. So sometimes we'll switch medicines and see if that can help somebody Who's, who's not seeing an improvement in their vision. Hmm. No, that's good. Yeah, and well, thank you. And we have a few more questions about injections. I think we can all understand why this, uh, you know, is a very, a very important topic. Richard from Ohio is wondering, do injections for macular degeneration kill retina cells and cause atrophy? Yeah, that's a really good question. VEGF, does uh, cause blood vessel growth and leakage, which is bad, but it also can support uh, normal cells in the retina. So at least in theory, inhibiting VEGF over the long term could cause some loss of retinal cells. Now, clinical studies have shown that over five to seven years, patients who are getting injections do tend to lose a little bit of vision over time. Hmm. A lot less than they would have lost if they hadn't been receiving the injections, but they do tend to lose just a little bit, a few letters, a line of vision over the years. And that may be due to some uh, atrophy of some of the retinal cells. Hmm. 
Oh, thank you. And a, a minute ago, you mentioned VEGF, and Vani from Washington State is asking if elevated VEGF can be noted in a blood test, and is there a correlation with um, blood vessel issues and wet macular degeneration? So just wondering, tell us a little bit more about um, elevated VEGF and um, you know uh, what what is related to that. Yeah, also a good question. So the the important uh, issue with VEGF is that its levels are increased in the retina. The VEGF levels in the blood are not thought, thought to play an important role in the damage that VEGF can do in the retina. So it's really just the local VEGF production by the retina that's, uh, that's important. So a couple of studies that have measured blood VEGF levels and the risk of wet macular degeneration have really not shown uh, a correlation between blood VEGF and uh, macular degeneration risk. So it's really just the retinal and uh, intraocular VEGF that we need to look at and target with these anti-VEGF medicines. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, just to, to uh, pause for a moment, a little bit of housekeeping. I know Dr. Dadaev is giving us a lot of excellent advice today. And I want to remind folks that, that the transcript of this of today's session will be available free of charge at brightfocus.org. Um, by uh, by the middle of October, and that that can help you know serve as a refresher for a lot of the good advice he's giving today. And also, Bright Focus provides uh, a, a great publication free of charge, and that's called Essential Facts About Macular Degeneration, and it and it, it addresses a lot of the topics for today. So, I encourage you to uh, listeners to to contact us, and free of charge, you can get essential facts about macular degeneration, as well as the transcript of today's chat to to reinforce a lot of the good advice today. And um, Dr. Naif, we have another question that that we hear uh, from chat participants. Uh, Carmen from Florida says that her retina specialist says there's nothing that can be done for um, her left eye, which has wet wet AMD. And Carmen's wondering, is this something that she should seek a second opinion about or just accept that there's probably nothing else to, to be done? Can you comment on that? Well, uh, there are, unfortunately, some patients who have severe enough damage to the macula that uh, further anti-VEGF injections are not helpful. And uh, those patients um, may have had their wet macular degeneration start before the anti-VEGF drugs became available and then developed a lot of scarring in the retina, which is uh, irreversible. So it is possible that she wouldn't benefit, but it certainly wouldn't hurt to get another opinion um, sure. and uh, see if another doctor might think that she could benefit. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what sort of, you know, sometimes that getting a second opinion can be a a little bit of an awkward uh, experience for, for, for families. Do you have any, any advice on how someone should go about getting a second opinion? Um, yes, it certainly can be awkward. Um, it, it's kind of implying that uh, maybe you don't uh, trust the doctor that you're seeing initially, um, but it really shouldn't be taken that way. Um, certainly a, a second opinion can be helpful. Not not all doctors um, think the same way about everything. Um, 
the the patient if the patient is um, uncomfortable telling the the first doctor that they're going to get a second opinion, they don't they don't have to tell them. They can yeah. just go ahead and uh, and, and get a uh, an opinion from from another doctor. It yeah. is yeah. helpful though uh, when getting a second opinion to obtain the um, the medical records, uh, especially the images, the pictures of the retina that have been taken. Uh, over the years. So what, uh, what you could do if you want to get a second opinion is just request a, um, a disc, a CD, um, or a printout uh, with, with the images so that you can just take them to the second doctor to get the second opinion. That's, that's actually a lot more effective than asking the first doctor to send the images to the second yeah. doctor because uh, those things can get lost in the mail. So it's sure. best to just have a copy of your own images that you can just walk in with and show them to the, the second doctor. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I know that, that I think that's, that's very helpful, helpful advice where people sometimes maybe feel a little uh, awkward or overwhelmed about, about the best process. Um, now I'd like to turn to dry AMD. Um, one of the questions that we, we hear a lot about is something called the uh, AREDS, A-R-E-D-S, supplements and other questions like that. So, um, Dr. Nay, if we have several people that have sent in kind of related questions about, um, about uh, AREDS, I was wondering if before we turn to those, if you could just, uh, first of all, explain what AREDS is and, um, and then we can turn to and why it's, why it's so important and then we can turn to some of the specific questions. So do you have a moment to tell us a little bit about AREDS? Sure. So AREDS stands for Age-Related Eye Disease Study, uh, which was a study funded by the NIH, a branch of the NIH called the National Eye Institute. And uh, what they did is they took 3,000 patients uh, with uh, AMD at various stages and gave them either antioxidant vitamins or placebo and followed them over six years. And amazingly, the patients who got the antioxidant vitamins had a 25% reduction in the risk of progressing to advanced macular degeneration. So that really indicated that people with what we call intermediate macular degeneration should be taking these antioxidant vitamins. So what do I mean by intermediate macular degeneration? Well, that's defined by a certain number of little white spots in the retina that can be detected with photographs or with an eye exam. Those little spots are called drusen. Drusen is a German word that means pebble. So it's uh, like having little tiny pebbles underneath the retina. And those drusen are an indicator of the risk for potential vision loss in the future. And the more drusen, the larger the drusen, the higher the risk. So it was found in this study that patients with enough drusen to have some risk for uh, vision loss or progression to advanced macular degeneration over the next five years did benefit from the vitamins. So a lot of times patients will ask me, well, I, I only have a few drusen and they're small. Um, should I take these vitamins? And uh, the answer is no, because we don't have any evidence that over the many years that it would take for such a person to actually develop vision loss, uh, on, at least on average, uh, 
there, it's not known whether the vitamins would be um, helpful or perhaps even a little risky if they had to be taken for, for several decades. Yeah. The vitamins, people ask me, are the vitamins safe? And in the ARID studies, there was really no indication uh, of, of any problem with the vitamins. Uh, except for a very slight increase in uh, urinary-related hospitalizations for men, about a 1% increase of, of that. There have been two ARIDS studies. There's, uh, they're called ARIDS-1 and ARIDS-2. And in ARIDS-2, what was modified is an antioxidant called lutein was, was um, used instead of a different antioxidant called beta-carotene. And lutein is safer because beta-carotene can lead to lung cancer in current smokers or probably even people who have smoked in the past. So the AREDS-2 formula is what is currently recommended. And let me tell you what's in AREDS-2. It's lutein, 10 milligrams, which uh, is used in combination with a related antioxidant called zeaxanthin, which is given at two milligrams. Then there's vitamin C, 500 milligrams, vitamin E, 400 international units, zinc oxide, 80 milligrams, and cupric oxide, that's copper, two milligrams. And that's the, that's the dose that you should be taking each day. And the pills are uh, recommended to be taken in the morning and the evening. So each pill has half the levels of what I just cited. So by taking two a day, you get to that, that full level that, that, uh, that I just mentioned. Great. Great. Well, um, thank you very much. And just, uh, you know, for our listeners, uh, Dr. Danaf has just given some very helpful information. So I just want to remind people that we'll have a, a full transcript of this chat uh, available at brightfocus.org and also the publication we, we mentioned a few minutes ago, Essential Facts About Macular Degeneration, de- outlines uh, the, the specifics about AREDS. So uh, before we turn to a couple specific questions about AREDS, just want to remind people if you have a question at any time, simply press star three. You'll be briefly removed from the call. An operator will take your question and you get right back on the call. So, uh, Dr. Nave, I just want to run through I think three or four different great questions we've got about AREDS. I know you briefly talked about time of day to take these pills. Jeanette from New York is wondering if there's a better time of day. And I know you said morning and evening. Are, are there some people that would or should just do once a day, or do you recommend everybody do the morning and evening? Yeah, I'm based on the studies, I recommend that everybody with uh, intermediate or advanced AMD um, take uh, two a day, one in the morning and one in the evening. And we don't know of any uh, particular timing that's uh, better or worse other than morning and evening. Um, so just take them whenever is convenient uh, in the morning and then another one whenever it's convenient in the evening. Uh, yeah. It's recommended to take it with uh, a fair amount of water, like a, a glass of water. Good. No, that that's real helpful. Uh, and one of the one of the uh, components you mentioned of AREDS was zinc. And uh, uh, Jeanette is wondering: Is it possible that um, uh, AREDS could that could contain too much zinc? Is there is there uh, risks with with too much zinc? 
not at the level in the AREDS formula. There's there's uh, no evidence from the AREDS study or from uh, the the preponderance of other studies in the medical literature about zinc that uh, that the level in the formula 80 milligrams of zinc oxide is uh, harmful. Um, I should mention that uh, there are other forms of zinc uh, that you can buy in, in, say, a health food store, uh, but the form is important. It's it's important to use zinc oxide because that's the form that was studied in AREDS, and that's the form that's known to be protective. The other forms are absorbed differently, so you actually will be getting a different amount of zinc in your body if you take a different form of zinc, like zinc gluconate. So you do want to take the zinc oxide. I also want to mention that in the ARES-2 study, they looked at whether it might be okay to reduce the amount of zinc. And actually, the zinc oxide 25 milligrams was equally effective to zinc oxide 80 milligrams. So if you are concerned about taking too much zinc, um, I think taking zinc uh, oxide 25 milligrams per day uh, would would be acceptable. And uh, I think that certain forms of uh, the AREDS2 uh, vitamins that you can buy over the counter have uh, have the lower dose of zinc if, if, uh, if you're concerned uh, about toxicity. Another interesting okay. thing about zinc, though, is that the patients who t- took zinc in the ARED study actually lived longer. So it's possible that there's a systemic benefit uh, throughout your whole body um, to to taking That's zinc. Yeah. Well, it, I'm glad you mentioned the distinction between 25 milligrams and 80. We had a very attentive listener uh, submit a question as you were speaking about how she has sometimes heard 25 uh, and other times has heard 80, so I appreciate uh, appreciate you uh, clearing that up. Uh, Melanie from Michigan has a question that, that I'm sure crosses many people's minds. She's concerned about the cost of, of a name brand of ARIDS being too expensive, and Melanie's wondering, are there pharmacy brands that are equally effective? Like, you know, does does the does the brand itself matter, and is the benefit? Is there a benefit that would make that cost worthwhile? Well, actually, it does matter because vitamins are um, not regulated in, as rigorously as drugs, and the National Eye Institute actually looked at some of the vitamins that are on the market and did biochemical analysis of uh, of the ingredients to see. If they actually, if the pills actually contain the things that are on the label in the amounts that are on the label, and um, many of them did not, uh, there were actually only two brands that had uh, accurate labeling. Uh, one was uh, Preservation from Bausch and Lam, and the other was ICAPS. Um, now I should say I have absolutely no financial interest in um, either of those companies. Uh, so I'm, I'm just reporting uh, yeah. well, I appreciate that. The, the results yeah. of the analysis with no bias. <clears throat> well, no, I appreciate it. And a related question uh, from Eileen, um, she's having trouble finding the AREDS formula and wants to know if you cannot find one of the ingredients in AREDS, can you buy other supplements and make up the difference, such as vitamin C? 
Well, I mean, you could try to put the ingredients together yourself, um, but you'd be taking more pills and you'd be running the risk that the uh, particular brand that you're using doesn't actually have the amounts that are advertised on the label. So um, AREDS, what you need to do is just look for vitamins that, uh, that are listed as following the AREDS-2 formula, which mm-hmm. contains the uh, micronutrients that I went through before at the levels that I went through before. And um, you, can, you can get them at uh, many drugstores. You can get them online uh, if you just searched AREDS-2 vitamins. And again, the ones that um, I recommend to my patients because they, they have been independently verified as having what uh, they advertise on the label are uh, Bausch & Lomb Preservation or ICAPS. Great. And uh, if you don't mind, we have a few more questions about AREDS. This is really stirring up a lot of, a lot of good questions today. Jacqueline is wondering, does AREDS help with wet AMD? Yeah, so AREDS reduces the risk of progression to wet AMD. So for somebody who has... Intermediate AMD, which is uh, just uh, drusen, uh, fairly large, um, but not yet wet AMD, AREDS reduces the risk of progression of developing wet AMD. For somebody who has wet AMD in one eye and no wet AMD in the other eye, just drusen, then the AREDS will reduce the risk of developing wet AMD in the eye that does not yet have wet AMD. For patients who already have wet AMD in both eyes, it's unknown uh, whether taking AREDS vitamins will be helpful. Uh, yeah. Well, that's and, and no, that's very helpful. And related to that, Eloise has a question. She's got history of, of macular degeneration in her family. Right now, she's taking AREDS. She's wondering, um, should there be any type of home monitoring that she's doing uh, on her vision while taking AREDS? Yeah, so Eloise, um, if if you don't have uh, drusen to the level of intermediate AMD, then I actually don't recommend that you take AREDS vitamins just because you have a family history. Because, again, um, your risk of developing AMD over the next decade or two may not be uh, high enough to justify a risk of taking AREDS vitamins for 20 years. Uh, we know that AREDS vitamins are safe for six years, but we don't know if they'd be safe for 20 years. So um, just having AMD in the family is not enough of a reason to, to take it. So what you should do is uh, things that can reduce your risk of AMD um, without increasing any kind of systemic risk. So those things are uh, to... Uh, not smoke or quit if you're currently smoking, um, to uh, probably wear sunglasses when you're out in bright light, when you're driving, uh, if you're out in the snow or out on the water, there's some evidence that uh, long-term exposure to bright light may uh, increase the risk of AMD. Um, Being overweight uh, is associated with AMD risk, especially abdominal uh, fat. So decreasing that uh, abdominal size, as, as hard as I know it is, uh, can 
uh, probably decrease the risk. And also uh, having an uh, annual eye exam to uh, see if you have any drusen, um, which would help you know what your risk uh, might be going forward. Now, you asked about uh, home monitoring, and that is very important. Uh, if you notice a change in your central vision, then it is important to go and see your ophthalmologist for a dilated eye exam. So it's important to do that home monitoring covering one eye at a time because if you've lost some vision in one eye, the other eye will compensate and you might not notice it for even months. So yeah. cover one eye at a time and look at a, pay, a, a page with print on it, a magazine, a newspaper, and just make sure that um, you, can, you, can see, you can read it with each eye, that, that the letters look clear. There is something called an Amsler grid, uh, which is a, basically a piece of graph paper. And what you do with that is uh, with your reading glasses on, you look at the dot right in the center. And if you see any missing, missing or wavy lines, uh, that can be an indication that you've developed uh, wet AMD and uh, should have that dilated eye exam. And uh, I recommend uh, screening at home with that Amsler grid. You can just put it on your refrigerator and just look at it like once a week. And if you notice missing or wavy lines or a change from what you saw in the past, uh, that's a good time to uh, call your ophthalmologist and, and make an appointment. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and to our listeners, Bright Focus provides the Amsler grid, which Dr. Deneyev just mentioned. We provide those free of charge. Uh, they're magnetic, and they can you know put them on your fridge or the side of a counter or cabinet uh, in your in your home somewhere where you'll see them regularly. These Amsler grids are available free of charge from Bright Focus, so you can um, uh, stay on the line at the end of this call and and um, uh, give us your your name and address. And uh, we have one more question about AREDs. Um, Jacqueline is wondering, is there a risk to taking AREDs in a, and also taking um, a, multi, a multivitamin uh, along with it? Yeah, good question. Um, probably not. It depends which multivitamin. Uh, the the AREDs ingredients are um, at about five to ten times the uh, USRDA uh, for those ingredients. Um, so the multivitamins are typically at like one time the USRDA. So taking a multivitamin in addition to AREDs in, in most for most multivitamins isn't going to increase the dose of the uh, AREDs micronutrients by very much. I know that Centrum Silver uh, will not uh, increase the dose uh, of any of those significantly. And in fact, uh, about two-thirds of the people in the AREDs trial uh, were taking Centrum Silver in addition uh, to the, uh, the AREDs uh, vitamins. But you do have to just if you use something other than Centrum Silver, just look at the ingredient uh, listed on the, on the vitamin bottle for the multivitamin and make sure that um, none of the uh, AREDs uh, vitamin micronutrients are listed at a level any higher than uh, 100% of the U.S. daily recommended allowance. Well, great. And we've... Um uh, we've had a number of questions come in in the last few minutes about cataract surgery, and uh, several of, of your listeners have wondered if cataract surgery would increase one's risk for AMD or maybe make uh, your AMD more uh, more severe. Do you have thoughts on that? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question. There have been uh, several studies on that, um, some of them quite large. And uh, the, the largest and most definitive studies have shown that there is no uh, increased risk for macular degeneration in people who have cataract surgery. So if you need cataract surgery and you have macular degeneration, you can go ahead and have the cataract surgery. Um, it's not always so simple to uh, determine, however, whether cataract surgery would benefit somebody with macular degeneration. Because if you can't see well and you have, because, and you have both macular degeneration and a cataract, um, it could be because of the macular degeneration. It could be because of the cataract or it could be a combination. So uh, an ophthalmologist can really help you uh, determine how significant the cataract is in the decreased vision by evaluating the condition of the retina and evaluating the opacity of the lens uh, and and uh, measuring those two against each other. There's also a, a device that can um, shine a tiny little eye chart through a cataract. It's called a potential acuity meter or a PAM. And um, for many cataracts, that can help to determine what the vision would be like if the cataract weren't there. In other words, it helps to evaluate the condition of the retina. Uh, and if the retina is healthy enough, then removing the cataract could actually lead to a significant improvement in the vision. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Now, we still have a few minutes remaining, but what's interesting, um, you know, Dr. Janaev, we know that you're um, uh, a very well-regarded researcher uh, on the science involved in, in understanding uh, AMD and, and, and possible treatment. So we have a few questions related to that. Susan from Missouri wonders, are there, are there any promising cl clinical trials for, for wet and dry AMD? And just sort of big picture, what's your, um, what's your sort of prognosis for, uh, for um, the field of research and, and possibly uh, improving uh, uh, you know, medical care around AMD? Yeah, I mean, I'm very optimistic that um, new treatments will be coming uh, soon and that they will lead to better outcomes with uh, less frequent uh, injections. Uh, there's a lot of research being done at both the basic level to try to understand the disease better and also at the clinical trial level. Um, so the two things that are most advanced in clinical trials right now are a drug called Fovista, uh, which is uh, injected into the eye like the anti-VEGFs, uh, but its target is different from VEGF. It's called PDGF, or platelet-derived growth factor. And uh, PDGF promotes the stabilization of new blood vessels, uh, which is bad because you want those new blood vessels that are leaking and bleeding in the retina uh, to go away. Um, so targeting combination of VEGF and PDGF led to better vision outcomes in a phase two clinical trial. So we're um, currently nearing the, uh, the end of phase three clinical trials for FOVISTA. And if they're favorable, I think that we may see FOVISTA on the market in about a year or two. Um, and that may lead to not only improved vision outcomes, but also possibly uh, less frequent injections, 
we'll we'll have to see uh, how the uh, the trials pan out and uh, how how it works in in clinical use over the first few years. Yeah. Um, no, for for um, dry AMD, the advanced form of dry AMD is called geographic atrophy. Um, so patients with that condition have not only the drusen, but they also have uh, lost some vision cells in the center of the retina, uh, in the macula. And um, there's evidence that inflammation plays a role in, uh, in that form of macular degeneration, and actually the wet form too. And specifically, an, an arm of the immune system called the complement cascade uh, can, can promote the loss of those cells. So there's a trial that's ongoing now with a complement inhibitor that can be injected into the eye, uh, the same way anti-VEGF drugs are injected. Um, and they're looking at whether those treatments can slow the progression of the atrophy. In other words, to uh, try to keep the vision where it is instead of um, having the, uh, a blind spot in the central vision uh, enlarge gradually over time. And that well, one also, I think, we, we may see uh, on the market, if the phase three mm-hmm. trial is successful, we may see that in about a year or two. Well, thanks. Those are really exciting updates from the field of research. I just want to uh, briefly, you know, as you mentioned, clinical trials and how important those are. Uh, I think we all know, um, you know, that we hear so much about clinical trials and, and, you know, people certainly have questions and concerns. So to that end, Bright Focus recently put out a, um, a free publication uh, called clinical trials, um, answers to, to basic questions, and and you know obviously in the end that decision is between you and your family and your physician. But our new publication about clinical trials gives you some you know things to consider and questions to ask. So um, just like with the Amsler grid and the um, the macular degeneration uh, essential facts, our new clinical trials publication is available free of charge. I uh, can leave your name and address at the end of this call, or call Bright Focus at any time, or ask for. Um, uh, uh, you know, to ask for this clinical trials publication. So, you know, we appreciate that that the the updates from field of research, and because we we get a lot of questions about whether eye drops and pills will ever replace injections. So, it's really helpful to kind of hear hear some of that research. Um, and before we were getting to the end of our time together, so to help Bright Focus plan future um, future. Uh, Chats. We'd like to ask our listeners a one-question poll, uh, which is a lot shorter than other polls in this election season. So just a one-question poll. Overall, how would you rate this telephone chat? If you found the chat very helpful, please press 1. If you found this chat somewhat helpful, please press 2. And if this chat was not helpful to you today, please press number 3. Again, that's if help, very helpful, press 1. Somewhat helpful, press 2. And not helpful at all, please press three. So I'd like to conclude today by thanking Dr. Janea for, for fielding so many questions today. Your, your answers were, were outstanding, and I think, very, I think everybody who uh, uh, has been a part of the, the chat today has certainly learned quite a bit. We'll have, as mentioned, we'll have a chat uh, transcript available online uh, by mid-October. And you can also leave a message at the end of this chat to, to get a copy of that, as well as our, some of our other publications that are helpful to families with macular degeneration uh, and also the, the Amsler grid. You can, you can listen to this chat and past chats 
in an audio form on iTunes and SoundCloud. And also want to mention that Dr. Deneyev has written has been kind enough to write many helpful articles for brightfocus.org uh, about macular degeneration, including the Fovista that he mentioned a minute ago. Our next chat topic will be on October 26th, and it's going to be called Inflammation in Early AMD. Again, that's Inflammation in Early, in early AMD. It's going to be Wednesday, October 26th. We encourage you to stay on the line right now and have an opportunity to register for that and also make sure we get you a reminder email. So again, this concludes the chat and feel free to stay on the line with any questions or comments. And you can always reach Bright Focus at 800-437-2423. Again, that's 800-437-2423. And any of these resources we discussed today are available at Bright Focus. Dot org. And uh, Dr. Deneyev, uh, you know, on behalf of everyone at Bright Focus and everyone on the call on the chat today, it's really thank you. You've been, you've been extremely helpful. Uh, I found you know very very clear and, and easy to follow. And I think you've uh, I think you've given a lot of people a little more knowledge and a little more peace of mind. So, on behalf of everyone at Bright Focus, I just I just want to say thank you. It's my pleasure, Michael. A lot of great questions and uh, just a, a little bit more information to digest. Um, please remember to uh, eat a healthy diet uh, that includes lots of fruits and vegetables and uh, fatty fish twice a week, like uh, salmon or uh, sardines, as uh, yeah. those things have also been shown to uh, decrease the risk of vision loss. Yeah, great, great advice for all of us. Again, really appreciate your being so generous with your with your time and and uh, and your experiences. So this concludes today's Bright Focus chat. Just want to thank everybody. Uh, who joined in and asked some great questions. And um, if we were not able to answer your question, we will try to follow up with you to provide some answers. And so on behalf of everyone at Bright Focus, uh, thank you very much. All right, goodbye. Bye. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.